to page 223, 223. And as we have, we've been talking about this for over a year now. And, and uh, I, I, I hope it's been a help to you. Uh, I've enjoyed studying and presenting all this stuff um, because, you know, we are all in a growing process, are we not? And, and it, the minute we stop growing, then we become stagnant. <clears throat> so uh, when, we, when we started this study, my goal was to uh, just help us understand how God wants us to grow. And the next chapter here, chapter 11, is financial stewardship. And <clears throat> several, several weeks ago, probably, I don't know, two, three months ago, I, uh, I, I, was, I was kind of praying ahead and thinking, and, and um, the Lord just put it on my heart to ask someone else to teach this section. And not that I'm afraid of it. I, uh, you know, money doesn't bother me. It does absolutely nothing. I could care less about money. <clears throat> but as I prayed about it, the Lord put Lawrence on my heart. Uh, Lawrence is our treasurer. And I thought, who better than to than Lawrence to to teach on finances? Lawrence has a degree in in finance um, uh, from a very prestigious uh, Southern college. <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, no, I say that easily because uh, the college he went to college where my wife grew up. So it just so it's a, it's a joke. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> Well, it's not a joke, but anyway, uh, the college, the the college, the college is a joke. No, I'm teasing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, moving on. Let's just move. Anyway, I I asked I asked Lawrence, I I asked Lawrence if he would teach this section, and and you would have thought I punched him in the gut, um, and then I said, just pray about it. And then he came back and he said, he said, you know what, I, I, God, God has given me the green light. And uh, so we've talked a lot over the last several weeks, you know, trying to, to do all this, get it, get it to where he was comfortable presenting it. So I am, I'm excited because he has um, not a different perspective on money than I do, but he's got a really neat perspective on money. And so you come. And uh, teach us. And uh, <clears throat> I was told that you have to be done by 7:15 because somebody has steaks on the grill, and they don't want them to burn. And so. I promised, I promised Rolando I wouldn't mention he gave me 20 to cut it earlier. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, I know for a fact he finds it entertaining to have somebody new stand up here. Um, I, I'm sure it's exciting for everybody as well as myself, but the good news is he gave me no outline, nothing to follow, so I took a few notes, I made a few notes myself, and I hope I can get through this tonight. But um, you did, you asked me to talk about money, and I said, yeah, right, I see what you're trying to dodge here. And um, I did. I did go home and pray about it, but it didn't take but a couple days. And God told me first, you've been praying for an opportunity to serve more. You've been asking for another way to serve. 
Here you go. What are you going to say no to me for? Second, he very quickly showed me, Lawrence, this has nothing to do about money. This has to do about our hearts. This is a heart matter. This is a heart thing. And it really then clicked with me. It hit me that everything we've been studying, that's why we come to church. Church is for matters of the heart and for our relationship with God. So I did painstakingly say yes and um, have, have agreed to it. And that was several months ago. I want to say even August, back in August. And I have reaped the side effects slash benefits of really diving in and spending extra time with God and in His Word. And God has really broken my heart for a lot of things, for the things of God. As well, I reaped the benefits of the joy and excitement of getting closer to God. And I hope tonight... I told him, I don't think I can get through this in three weeks, but we'll try and get through a little bit. I don't even think we're going to get to money tonight. I'm normally not a person that stands up and does testimonies. A lot of you may not know um, where my, where my, uh, you know, a lot of my background and my history and my history and my walk with the Lord. So I'm going to share a little bit of that in between everything, and we're gonna we're gonna dive into the book a little bit, and we're gonna use it as a guide, and hopefully. Um, we can we can get what we came here for, and that's to know God better. So I'd like to start us off with some prayer, if you don't mind. Let's pray, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, and we are so humbled that you love us the way you do. Lord, thank you for another opportunity to come together and worship you by reflecting on your word and studying the words you've given us. Lord, you more than anybody know that I need you need you here tonight. I ask you to please strip away everything that's me, strip away all my words, Lord, and fill it with your words and the things that might be edifying to us individually and as a body. Lord, we need you. We praise you. We thank you for everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So now that I did my little joke here, I can actually take my real notes out of here. But if You'd mentioned uh, opening up to chapter 11, 223, was it? And I don't know, to be honest with you, before I started in August studying all this, I wasn't reading every little detail of this book. And then you asked me to do this, and so I started reading every word and studying every word. And I noticed when I started this chapter and every other chapter, page 223, says here uh, to ask, do you have any other questions related to last week's devotional and reading assignments? And I don't know how many people are actually going through the devotionals and the different reading assignments at the end of every chapter, but I started doing that and I, wow, you know, there's a lot of extra, there's a lot of extra stuff in there. So we're going to take a few moments to turn a few pages back, all the way back to page, uh, you don't actually have to, to read all of it or follow along, but 219 is the value of relationships. It was day four daily devotional to the last chapter. And I want to take some time. I don't know. I think we answered, you answered a lot of questions the last couple of weeks just fine on, a, on, the whole, on the whole subject and the chapter. But I thought relationships is a good spot. We kind of should start everything at because relationships is... Er- is everything in our lives. Basically everything, I believe, almost everything can be broken down to our relationship with, with anything in, the, in this world. Um, 
the value of relationships on day four talked about our us being valuable, sinful creatures, and obviously we're going to mess up our relationships. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to hurt people. and But God commands us to rectify that, to go back, to seek God's forgiveness and that person's forgiveness, and, and to go back and make amends with that. Uh, so it, it goes through that, but I really think one more step further in relationships here is that everything about our relationships defines who we are. We have relationships with absolutely everything. We immediately think of those around us. We think of maybe a relationship at job, but really we have relationships with everything in this earth. Um, some types of relationships, family, friends, work, situational relationships. I'm not even really sure how I, what that is, but you know we get in all these different situations and it affects us and we have to handle it and deal with it. And the Bible finds relationships so important that it gives us cover-to-cover instructions on relationships and how to deal with it, how to deal with relationships among ourselves, how to deal with our relationships with the world, how to deal with relationships, most importantly, with God. Now, just because we have relationships with everything in this world doesn't mean they're all good. And I know lots of you know that. We, we struggle with tough relationships with our family. Um, can be painful and hurtful. Um, you know, there's, this world's broken. There's a lot of broken families out there. And, uh, yes? Can I speak for a second? Yeah, please. Absolutely. I've, I've been to other churches, and I like, I like your establishment. I enjoy it. And I've been to other establishments where it's half plate and whatnot, but you're, you're doing the right direction. You're, you're, you're actually helping me to get people out and making things go for the good. Well, as we've I talked so, as we've talked so many times here. When our relationship with God is right, everything else will fall in place. Everything. And we break it down, our simple little minds. God's got to break it down for us. Uh, our simple little minds got to take every little aspect and break it down. And the next chapter is money, and we have to talk about that, and we should talk about that. And it's a powerful tool, but it's also a powerful enemy. And so, yes, relationships uh, is the first and foremost in our relationship with God. And we're talking about there is unhealthy relationships. And some of our unhealthy relationships we don't think of as unhealthy right away. And that can be our relationships uh, as we warn children, and we should warn ourselves more of the people we hang out with, maybe the bad influences, the people we hang around. I know uh, uh, more than one of you can attest to working on construction sites. can kind of be unruly and maybe not so savory company, but... Uh, we have to guard ourselves in these relationships we take on. Uh, we also can have unhealthy relationships with possessions. I'm not I'm not picking on trucks and cars, but we heard a lot tonight about it. But we can have relationships with our trucks. I don't know if any of you guys did it, but when I was younger, I you know we always made a persona for our vehicle and called it, gave it a name, and and although we did it jokingly in jest, we protected it, we babied it. You know, no one else can drive it. 
You know, it's ours. Um, it was a relationship we had, and, and behind that relationship was a value, was a real heart issue on what I thought of that, that possession. And so some of our relationships with our possessions uh, can be unhealthy. And another thing that I think really points to the type of relationships that we have and, and I, helps us identify who we are and the relationships we have are the things we look forward to. What are the things our hearts are desiring? Is it that next promotion? I know for you know some kids, there's healthy things to look forward to, graduations, uh, maybe retirement. So I'm nowhere close to that, but Bob's hoping one year. And uh, uh, vacations are something we look forward to. Sometimes we just look forward to a new car. Sometimes we're looking forward. Uh, we're looking forward to new items in our lives that we want to obtain. And those wants and those desires and the things we look forward to also are a window into who we are and the relationships we have with things and ultimately where our heart's at. Now, I don't know what type of things you guys look forward to or how you, how you have a check and balance. I don't know. If any of you putting thought to actually check and balance in your heart uh, on day-to-day basis on what's my relationship, what do I feel of this, where is this between me and God? But I think it's uh, maybe sometimes more difficult for us to do that to ourselves. Easier for other people to stand back. You guys probably have some opinions about me and what that guy does and looks like and everything else. But um, a lot of times the things we have relationships define us to everybody else around us. Oh, that's... That's the truck guy. Oh, that's uh, you know that's the guy that does. Uh, where's David's not here now. He does electronics a lot. He loves his electronics. We'll talk to him about electronics all day. He's that, and and we uh, we have to deal and handle with those things every day to guard our hearts. I recently uh, I was sharing the story just just a few weeks ago. I, I met a man. Was introduced to a man, millionaire. Big time, hundreds of millions of dollars. Big time millionaire. He's an older gentleman. He made his money in the plastic wrap business, the plastic wrap that goes around the pallets of the warehouse. And he sold this company eventually, and he has all this money. And he is a believer. He's long since uh, walks with the Lord, um, but God has blessed him. God has blessed him in a lot of things, and he's got a really unique testimony and how he got there. But he realizes that he has a lot of money and a lot of things to guard his heart from. And he has... I think if I remember correctly, three very large homes, what any of us would call mansions, San Diego on the beach, Florida on the beach, tends a church in Oklahoma and has a big giant house there. And I don't believe he owns a car that's purchase price is under $200,000. And everywhere, and all these homes that he doesn't get to very often have three to five cars worth a quarter million dollars each sitting in them. And, and, I don't know him. I don't. I didn't get to know him real well. But he had an interesting thing. I when I, you know, asked him about how that affects his walk with the Lord, and he says, you know, I bring my keys to work every day, and I put them on my desk. And if someone honestly came up, and, you know, I want, hey, can you go get lunch today for me? And or you know, the office wants wants lunch, and uh, he tosses him the keys. Here, take my car. Go go get go get lunch. Um, if he he attends a big uh, a fairly large church in Oklahoma and he regularly when a legitimate need pops up he offers his homes please go stay in my home drive my cars 
they're all yours. And 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 people have been shocked. He says over the years, people are shocked. Why? How do you? How can you do that and, and trust they're not going to wreck your car? And he says the day I don't let someone drive my car because I'm worried about it is the day it's become an idol in my life. And I was like, oh, that's an awesome checks and balance. He's like the day I say no to random church member, please, you're in San Diego getting medical attention, need a place to stay, play in my, stay in my house, drive my cars. He's like, that's the day it becomes an idol when I, when I start protecting it as mine. He's like, these are things God gave me. And I saw pictures. He showed me pictures. There's not anything under a Bentley, Aston Martin. Any, I mean, he's got them all. He's got them all. And he has this little... I found it interesting. I don't know where else his walk is with the Lord, but I found it as an interesting checks and balance for there. So I'm hoping as I start to start uh, opening this up here, you guys start thinking about your relationships in life. Because not only do you have relationships that I might know about and other relationships that I don't know about, but most of our relationships follow us to the grave. And they show up at our funerals. I'm pretty sure, Rolando, 100 years from now, if we ever have to go to your funeral, there's going to be some Raiders paraphernalia up there. You know why? <laughs> Because you're a Raiders guy, right? And I'm pretty sure one day, yeah, I know you're gonna, I know you're just a young guy. I'm pretty sure one day, and maybe any any of you know a little bit about me. I love airplanes. I love airplanes, and maybe at my funeral there'll be some airplanes over here, pictures of me flying. And and you guys have all been to funerals where the things those people, the person who passed, loved and had relationships with, is on display, and look at them so happy doing what they love. And and God has so deeply warned me of these things, I feel like, that one day I just got me, you know what, at my funeral, please, put up my favorite airplane maybe. But I want Bibles, and I want, I want church members there, and I want a sign that says, praise be to God. And, and then I want, if you want to put up some pictures, you know, please, not of me, but of all the things that God has blessed me with. You know, I want my relationships. I want what people remember of me. I want all those things that inadvertently we, we think of each other to be those that we're honoring to God or giving glory to God about everything that we do and don't have in this world. So our relationships with things and people follow us all throughout life, follow us all the way to the grave, and it's what people think of us, how people establish um, a lot of opinions about us. Now, one thing I, I really hope that follows me all the way is I recently asked some friends. We went out one night, and they hopped in the car, and I was just singing a song. I said, how often do you guys think about heaven? Eh, they weren't so sure. I said, oh, I think about heaven all the time. I, I love songs about heaven. And, and my house, because... You guys, you know, I'm I'm the boss, so I get to tell my kids what to do, and and I and I tell them all about heaven. They have to listen to me, and I tell them all about heaven. I'm so excited. We we come down here and clean the church, and the guys kind of give me a tough time. We wipe down things, but I go back and polish them up, make sure the make sure there's no smudges or smears. I'm like, I know heaven's gonna be shiny. It's gonna be shiny. I you know that excites me. I want to I want to be like that. And I have a lot of songs I like about heaven. Um, I think about it. I'm always talking to my kids about it. What do you think it's going to be like? And, and, and I hope, as I, I, I look back, why do I do that? I hope that's a reflection of my relationship with God. 
I'm, my, my longing to have that, to be there, to be fully in God's presence. And those are the things I want my children to remember about me. And those are the things... <laughs> are you saying that or is someone else saying that? That's very much what Sunday night is. I was going to say, you're in the right place because that's that was exactly where I was taking all of this. Is I I don't know if we've met before, but I I do want to I do want to encourage you and let you know that normally we jump right into the book and we have blanks to fill out and and re and reading and we do talk about that and I've gotten a lot of help from asking you questions and we have a lot of good conversation. So I don't want it all to be me tonight. I, those of you who know me know I, I have no problem talking, but I want it to be everything. I want it to be everything about God, the Word of God tonight, okay? I just like the interaction, like, you know, Joe, John's over here, and Bill over here is like, here's what I have been going on. Just let him do his thing, okay? I'm not bothered by it. I'm not bothered, honestly. I knew I wasn't getting through all this tonight, anyways, but. I'm going to tie this now. Enough, enough talk about all my ideas and what I think about. But I want us to point us back to the Word of God. That it is so evident that from the very beginning, God is all about relationships. Everything about God is about relationships. And I can't even wrap my mind around the idea of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the, the Holy Spirit being here at creation and the Spirit uh, over the waters and the Word speaking creation. And they work together and there was a perfect plan, and God created this perfect area, and then it wasn't enough. This is my version of it. It wasn't enough. He said, let's create a man in our likeness. What was his intention? He didn't create a man in his likeness, and then that's, okay, I made that, put it on the wall, and and walk off. No, he created a man in his likeness and want to have a relationship with him. And he walked with him. Every day he came down and he walked with him. And he wanted to be with him. And it was important to God to be with man, who he made in his likeness. That should be our first sign right there, that relationships are important. Unfortunately, we, man messed it up and broke that, and God can no longer be there. But the rest of the, rest of the book goes along with God fixing it. He wanted relationships. He, he, wrote the, he gave Moses the law so that he could have relationships again with, with his people. And then the Old Testament's just line after line of God saying, hey, if you just turn from your ways and turn back to me, I want to have a relationship with you. That's what's important to God. And then God said, that's not enough. I'm going to send my son. They, they all three of them got together and said, I'm going to send my son because I'm tired of this long-distance relationship. I'm going to send my son. I'm going to make a way that I can have and you can have, more importantly, you, my creation, can come back and have a relationship with me fully in in his presence one day 
And then the New Testament is full of Paul telling us how to deal with all the other relationships. And that's what here in our devotions, uh, the value of relationships. I think we skimmed over that too far. It was just a little side note at the end of our chapter about the value of relationships. And I don't think we put enough emphasis on that. And we do talk about here all the time on how we need to work together as a body and how we have to get over our differences and how I have to go say sorry to those who I offend and how we have to step out of our comfort zone to mend that. But as I'm walking over to that person, I'm telling myself, this is what's important to God. I'm supposed to fix this. I don't know how likable anybody thinks I am, but I also struggle with with people in my lives that I feel like, oh, I'm not so sure I don't I want to spend another day around them, but I look but then God, you know, but God said that's not what's important to me. Relationships important with me. Turn around, go back. I put that person in your life for a reason. Go build a relationship with them. I think that's the number one means and ways in which we share in this world the love of God and the relationship that he desires. And for any of the, any of anybody, I, I think most, I don't want to speak for everybody, but for those who haven't invited God into their life and have a personal relationship with them, and from the outside, it's like, this is crazy. But if there's one true relationship that we can reflect, that's why I turn around and go back to that person that God said, no, I put him in your life for a reason. Go back to him again. Show them that this is what a relationship's like. And they're going to ask you, where do you get this energy? Where do you get this power to come back and have this relation? You know, you just keep coming back. They're going to see that love one day. And, it, and it's the love of, of God in our lives. So much more powerful than us always just waving our Bibles. You know, we all have to go out into the public. We all have to go out in the world. We have relationships with the, with the unsaved. It's important to God that we do that. It's important that uh, we work together. So, the value of relationships. I didn't want to move on before we revisited that, and now we'll move into talking about other things that we have relationships with. And since this last several months preparing for this has been so... uh, so much growth for me. You know what? It really it forced my hand to get in and do what I say I'm going to do, and that's really dive into to a relationship, a better relationship with God. And I am reaping the benefits of it. So I'm not. This is not me telling you to feel sorry for me or anything else. I am reaping the benefits of a better walk with God through this. And so, it, you you asked me. I'm pretty sure it was God. Uh, you know, because I was giving God all the excuses. I mean, no, I just want to serve more. I just want to serve more. But I wasn't looking for anything. I was like, nope. You know, I, I'm praying it, but I'm not looking. And then he hit me up about this, and I'm t- it wasn't two days later. Got it. I prayed about it. God's like, there you go. <laughs> so, since we're on the topic of relationships and our relationship with God, let's talk about an actual entity in our lives that we have to deal with and that's that's money that's money uh when he first asked me this i thought man i don't want to teach a financial class i'm not qualified to teach no financial class and he says the same thing he said at the beginning. oh yeah you went to school you got this by the way i went to the citadel in charleston south carolina and i do have everybody's got their own opinion of that place but it, it has a quite a reputation and in the south it's held 
very highly. In fact, I don't wear my school ring, but if I cross the Mississippi, I put my ring back on because if I'm caught without it, I'm probably going to get a licking. <laughs> so um, there, there is a, a weird relationship with that school, um, but it's nothing special outside of that. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I'm not qualified. I wasn't qualified to teach any financial class, and uh, I definitely didn't want to do it. I know there's plenty of you seasoned humans out there that probably have a lot more to teach me about that type of stuff. Seasoned. Seasoned. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, I, I have lots to learn. I have not done it right. Um, I have not done it perfectly. Uh, God, thankfully, is a God of startovers and and... He's given me many of those opportunities in my life, and I feel like that continues to grow. I don't really know. I was recently wondering, when do you, when are you a mature Christian? <laughs> Does anyone feel like you, like you get to that and like, okay, I'm mature. I just need to maintain. Like, okay. I was, uh, there's one thing this subject taught me is I'm a long ways away from mature Christian. Just. Yeah, yeah, I guess because I feel this has really put me in my spot and and uh, and feeling feeling a long ways from that position. But once I figured out this wasn't a money class, I was so much more excited to talk about it because, again, it, I wanted to talk about the things of the heart and and I spent maybe another week in prayer about oh Lord, what about this? I don't want to teach a financial class. I don't you know um, and. And God quickly reminded me that, hey, this isn't about how much money, the exact dollar I spend at Starbucks every week. It's like, I want to know what your heart feels about the money you spend at Starbucks. I want to know what your heart feels about where you spend your money. I don't need, I already know your balances. I know where I give you everything you have. I want to, you know, I want you to stop. In fact, God knows where my heart's at. He knows where your heart's at. He wants us to stop and evaluate that and reflect on that. So we're going to use a couple mirrors here. I see on Rolando time, I only have about 10 more minutes, but um, uh, <laughs> he didn't know. I already prepared to pick on him all night. He didn't know that. <clears throat> so how does money fit into our relationship with God? And uh, this is where things start to get a little more interesting. I don't have the fancy iPad to scroll through here, so I have to I have to use my papers. So turning back to 223 now. Okay, we can we can get back to this book now. Now that we know the mission here is to have a better relationship with God and 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 deal with deal with money. I'm going to read here chapter uh, chapter 11, page 223. One of the most significant areas of life is our finances. Regardless of whether we have a lot or a little, our financial decisions impact our lives every day. I know that's a very quick thing that we fall on. Like, oh, money's not a problem with me. I don't have any. <laughs> well, how do I have a problem with money? That, what, that guy down the street, he's got all the money. He's probably got the problems. Uh, but it is, you don't have to be wealthy to have a money problem. You don't have to have a lot of extra money to have a heart problem. God is the God of the wealthy and the poor. And, and everybody has the same heart problems. So before we just start like checking ourselves off, like, nope, that's not me, um, just because you're poor doesn't mean you don't have a heart problem. Okay? We want to we make sure we understand that. Uh, 
I'm not gonna even. I don't. Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna get to the first first blank tonight. But Chris, could you help me out tonight with First uh, Timothy six six through ten? Would you mind reading that for me, Timothy six six through ten? And if you guys want to turn there and read along with it, I know it's a few verses. It's not in the book. I just decided that I wasn't going to follow the book for the first night, and then we'll maybe get to the book next week. But Yeah, go for it. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. The day that will be rich, fall into temptation and a snare, and then into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now I know the verse there in the middle, a lot of us can quote. We quote it to our quote it to all sorts of people. I think I think the world quotes it a lot, but for the love of money is the root of all evil. There's several things here, 6 through 10, I want to go through, uh, but we're going to turn to this one first here. Verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all evil. That's a pretty serious statement as far as um, being able to pinpoint an area that all evil can come, come out of. And if there's an area in our lives that all evil can stem out of, grow out of, uh, I think we should we should take a little closer look, and if nothing else, uh, take very seriously. This, I believe, metaphor is what we call this a metaphor here, the root of all evil. This metaphor of the roots is used very frequently in the Bible. A lot of roots in the Bible, um, and they're not all bad. God, Jesus uses them a lot. There are good roots. There are bad roots. So the root's, not, the root's not necessarily the problem. It's the love of money, the root of love of money that becomes the issue. Um, roots determine the plant. They determine the health of the plant. They determine the fruit of the plant. We live in a agri- semi-agriculture area now. We're kind of grown out of it, but lots of people here have been around farms and everywhere else. Uh, I know you guys do lots of gardening, and, and, and when you do farming and you do gardening, you deal with roots all the time. And you know which plants produce roots that are going to cause you trouble. And I think if anyone's had to remove some different plants, uh, some roots are very difficult to ever eradicate. We have uh, this bush out here, Russian sage. I don't know if you guys know about it. It grows a root about a foot deep and then takes off and runs through the ground. So when I'm asked to go pull it out, everyone thinks, oh, you just cut the top off, dig it out. But then the root runs eight feet that way and eight feet that way, and it's growing up everywhere else. And then later, I don't get it all, and they, they come back and say, Lawrence, it's still growing everywhere. Why is it growing everywhere? It's a serious root. Roots, this, this metaphor of being a root is, is something that we shouldn't take lightly. We've discussed a little bit of root damage we've seen in building. Roots are destructive. We've seen... Cottonwood trees push over foundations. People point out to me, I go to their house, and there's this green plant growing up through the crack in their concrete in the garage next to the door that goes in the house, and what on earth, where is that coming from? Little investigation, it's coming 30 feet in the other direction on the outside of the wall. They've planted a vine that looks so pretty on the outside of the wall, and those roots have gone underneath the concrete. 
and they're coming up everywhere. So they want me to paint the house, and I said, I take all this down, but it's going to grow right back. It's, going to, it's coming right back. I'm not eradicating it. A root is a very serious thing. It has a, lo- has a lot of big implications on the type of plant we have, the problems we're going to have with it, and or we want healthy roots for healthy, healthy fruit trees and health, healthy things that we want. Uh, with this idea of roots, the Bible uses roots as not only a very serious good thing or an evil thing, but it could be a very serious good thing. Uh, Romans 11:16. If the root be holy, so are the branches. Talking about Gentiles and Jews and everyone. Hey, it doesn't matter. You know, if the root in you is a strong faith uh, with God and your root is holy, then your branches and the things of that are you're going to produce holy things. Ephesians 3:17 tells us to be rooted and grounded in love. We're supposed to, you know. It, is it something we should take? We want good roots in our lives. We want good, good found, uh, a good foundation of life. Uh, but if the love of money is the root of all evil, then this is something we should take seriously. We should try and avoid it, and, and uh, as advised, uh, we should run from all things that produce evil in our lives. I go back to how do I determine what type of roots are in my life? What am I, what am, what's in my life? Do I have the love of money in my life? Is that root in my life? We should all be asking ourselves that, but it really comes down to what's the fruit? What's our fruit? What do we see? What is, how, is, how is God blessing us? And I started thinking, well, what are, the, what are some signs? What does the love of money in my life look like? Now, I know I've done this so many times, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess there's several of us out here tonight doing this. But we've already kind of put up our defenses and like, nope, that's not me. I never said I want more money. I don't. I never said I love money. But the love of money shows its shows its fruit in a lot of different ways, and um, it doesn't have to be something we show on the outside or say on the outside all the time. But it's reflected not only in the things that we do with our money. Um, but how we feel about it, if it's our, if it's our, we look at it as our only resources of our protection, our safety net. Those are all things that I don't know about you. You guys have to decide that, and you have to reflect and go to God and ask. I've been praying over and over as I stood up here. I don't want anything to be of my ideas or my words. You know, God, please peel it away. And man, has he? He's been peeling out all the rotten layers. And like, nope, that you got a problem there. Nope, you got a problem there. Problems I wasn't even sure. I didn't even know. I'm not so sure I knew I had. And I'm telling you, it's the start. It's the start. As we start to deal with money and the root of all evil, we, we're not going to get anywhere unless we go to God and we start doing that. We start asking Him, please, God, show me. I don't love money. I wouldn't tell any of you I love money. But I go and ask God, God, show me. You know, Anything between me and you here? And He starts peeling it back. And it sometimes... It, it sometimes is not pretty. I was trying to think of uh, another way that might reflect our heart in an instant. And um, I thought a few other things in life I feel that people take and they, they bring into their lives. and like, yeah, this is my security. This is my safety net, whether it's money or it's something else. And they fall back in case God fails me and you know, everything goes wrong. This, this is what I've got, you know, my insurance policy. Whatever it is, it's how, you tr- how your heart treats it. But I thought of, you know, what would be a snap decision to think about that we all would, might make? 
And I don't take this lightly, and I'm not saying this lightly, but I thought, we've talked about security at this, t- this church a lot, and in the last several years, it's become all too commonplace to have intruders in churches. And we've talked about security and what if, and what do we need to do, and we've got cameras, and maybe we've got some armed personnel or whatever, and what if an armed shooter came in there through the door and was guns ablazing, be my nightmare. But I want to know how you know, don't don't raise your hands. I'm asking you to ask yourself because I know a lot of you already know the answer. Would jump up and run at that gunman and take bullets for the rest of us in an effort to take him down. Maybe your arm, maybe you can shoot back. I know I'd I'd throw my family on the floor and I'd throw my body on top of them. And I'd take it very seriously and I like that's just that's that valuable to me. And I know there's a lot of you give up your life in, a deci- in an instant decision like that to protect your wife or someone else in this church or just in the name of protecting the group. But what if that wasn't the case? What if we had missionaries here tonight that said, hey, God sent us to this church and said, we can come here and we need $1,000 from everybody tonight to do this tomorrow, to, to do God's work tomorrow. I know, you guys, Lawrence, that's silly. I don't have a thousand bucks. That's outrageous. I'd never be able to do that. What well, was a hundred dollars? Every one of you, open up your wallet, hundred dollars. And then God will move tomorrow with him. What if it's a $20 bill? And all of a sudden I thought, it's not such an instant decision anymore. Now, well, this was my last 20, extra 20 for the week. I, you know, now what are they going to do with it? Maybe I need to pray about it. Like all of a sudden... I'm asking you for 20 bucks, but you just told me you'd give up your life for me in an instant. But now I ask you an instant for 20 bucks, and we got to think about it. Something's got more control of our lives than the other one there. And I kind of like hit right here. Like, wow, I'll, I'm going to think, I'm going to spend extra time protecting my money and my wallet. But no, 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 if someone comes to the door, I'm going to protect you all. Don't worry about it. That's. Isn't one obviously a bigger bigger sacrifice than the other? Yet we hoard it and protect it. Big reflection on my heart. I don't know where you guys stand to that, but I thought that was a pretty, pretty powerful um, thought for me on what I'd do if asked instantaneously to give up some money. I know we all spend quite a bit of time managing our funds. Oh, but should go here, a little bit there. No, I'm saving for this, I'm doing that. We spend a lot of time thinking about it. Because it is important, but how important? I'm going to share this. I don't know. You never gave me, told me how to do this preaching thing or anything like that. So <laughs> I, I thought oh, I'll think of something. I was going to ask Chris to throw something. I didn't get it to him soon enough. But um, and just looking up things, you know, what are signs that people, you know, what would they do for money? I came over this. I came across this. Very extensive year-long survey done by the University of Utah and Harvard and almost 10 years ago. What would you what would you do for 10 million dollars today? I'm going to put 10 million dollars in your bank account if you do something on this list. And you didn't have to just pick one; you could pick multiple things. It's sickening. It's absolutely sickening. And before we say, I don't want anyone to say that you know, oh, that's not me. That's not me. Let's just let's just think think of the fact the state of our world and our relationship with money is so incredibly sick. 25% 25% of the people would abandon their family tomorrow. Get up and move away. 25% said, see you to your church. And if I gave you $10 million to go to a church down the street, yep, 
25% of people said, yep, I'm going. Doesn't matter. I'm going for $10 million. 25% said they'd become a prostitute for a week. 16% said they'd give up their American citizenship. 16% said they'd happily leave their spouse. 13% said they'd give their kids up for adoption. So, I mean, it's it's sickening. It really is. The, way down here, 7% said they'd kill somebody. $10 million. I mean, that's just giving up everything. That's just giving up everything. That, if, if nothing else, if that doesn't reflect us tonight, our hearts tonight, that reflects the state of our world and how we handle money and what we think, the value money. Because we all know how fast $10 million would go away. So you're doing these deeds, you're breaking up, you're having, you're, you're breaking, crossing this line with God for money that can be all spent tomorrow. All spent tomorrow, gone. So not only was that revealing and disgusting to me, but uh, it, it showed me that money is an important topic to talk about. It's an important matter of our heart. And I, 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 do, I do have to confess that I always kind of compartmentalize money, you know, Maybe maybe you guys are all just that much more of a Christian than I am, but you know, hey, don't do the big sins. Go to church on Sunday. Give give the uh, give your tithe. I'm doing pretty good. You know, oh, then there's these other big money issues, these other compartmentalized things that um, I'll just you know, those are minor things. But God spoke to me and said, there's nothing. Everything is important to me. Everything. There is not more important and less important and not so important items with your heart between you and God. I really, I sought out some counsel and asked about that. And hey, you know, did God ever say these items are really important? These items aren't so important. And then in in the realm of his important items, are there secondary items? No, God said everything, everything in this world and his relationship with you and me is important. Unfortunately, money's one of them. And we're going to, we're going to dive into that in the next Three to five months, but um, uh, <laughs> it's very painful. I'm, I'm, I, I want to go ahead and stop here. I, I warned him that I wasn't going to get done. God is just so much moved that we we try to make money a one Sunday task and we're done, and we do our tithe and we're done, and get that money thing out of here because I'm not doing anything else too bad. And God's like, no, it's a serious money, it's a serious heart problem in this world. And we all know this. You don't have to be a Christian to know that money makes the world go round. The, all the crazy things people are doing around the world for money in the name of, in, of name of profit. And it's no secret. It's no secret. First Timothy six ten, the second half of that, if you don't mind, Chris. So the love of money is the root of all evil. We establish roots or you know, pretty strong metaphor there and and uh, really, really say a lot about who we are and where our heart's coming from. The second half of that, you know, what's what's the cost of the love of money? And we're going to dive into that more. I'm just going to touch a few seconds here on it. But which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Erred here is wandered, left, no longer. So we already talked about it. People gladly walk away from their faith. 
the love of money has, has wandered away. And it's not a decision we make overnight usually. We slowly get there. We build it up, and all of a sudden, all these things that I've acquired or trying to acquire, some of us can acquire, but we sure try for a long, long time. Wanders us right away from the faith. Faith being the best route we can have, you know, the most valuable route we can have is faith. So there's, there's some serious consequences to the love of money. And in the, and the, well, I could keep going, but I'm not going to make you guys sit there too long. If you don't, I'll stop here right now. We'll come back next week and we'll dive into the costs and the, the pains of the love of money. And then we'll get to the first blank in the book. Then we'll get to the first blank of the book. I, I, uh, <clears throat> I appreciate a lot of what he said. A lot of what he said we had already talked about, so I kind of already knew. But uh, uh, that's one of the reasons why I believe God put it on my heart to ask him to talk about this, uh, because <clears throat> I would have handled it differently because the, 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 the relationship part of it is so important and I had I had failed to realize that um, I mean in this study I because I was kind of sticking to the book and um, but then when he he and I started talking about it I'm like man you know because it really reveals who we are but anyway uh, let's pray and then we'll uh, do uh, announcements and then we'll be dismissed dear Lord thank you again for uh, this wonderful day thank you for the teaching um, that we heard tonight and uh, the challenging uh, uh, message uh, from from his heart, and I am so thankful and grateful for um, uh, all that you do in our lives. And I'm looking forward uh, to what uh, you have put on Lawrence's heart in the future, in the the next uh, four to six months. Um, uh, we truly are thankful. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <laughs>